KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I get such a rush out of getting these kids to believe they can do things that they don't think they can. That's kind of how I look at it. You know, to have a kid come in like, wow, you really think I can be an NCAA champion? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, and here's how we're going to do it. And to get them to buy in and, and then accomplish these things, I just get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And our guest this week is Gina Procaccio. She is the head women's cross country and women's track and field coach at Villanova University, one of the best in the business. And Gina, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So to start, as we are recording this in mid-January, kind of what is life now? What is the focus? Right now, we're just getting ready to start the indoor season. Um, The kids are just coming back this week from about a three-week winter break. And uh, we actually have our first meet this weekend. As head coach, cross country and track and field, are they treated as two separate programs or are they kind of two branches of the same tree? Well, the thing, everybody that runs cross country runs track, but not everybody that runs track runs cross country. So I am the head coach, but I coach uh, cross country and the 800 meters on up. But then I have assistants who will coach uh, the sprints, hurdles, jumps, and field events. They handle that. So indoors, we all come together as one big group. In the fall, the track kids who just do track are training, and the cross-country kids are competing. But, you know, this is kind of our our favorite time of year because we all get to come together as as one group. So let's talk a little bit about your career. What's your earliest memory of running? I guess the reason I found track is because um, I went out for other sports in high school and got cut. So I remember my friend saying, you know, do you want to go out for track? They, they don't cut anybody. So that's how I found track and field. That's the truth. So I just went out for the team in ninth grade in March of, of ninth grade and kind of had some pretty good success early on. And it just kind of went from there. And you went to Sun Valley High School, correct? Yes. So you had some success. Did it become a passion? right away or was it something that you were having some success so you kept going or was it something you could tell you just needed more of as you competed yeah no I I loved it right away and I had a really good high school coach and he told me if I train hard you know I could get a scholarship to college and running college so um, I remember that first summer you kind of like kids kind of made fun of you if you did sports, certain groups of kids, you know, from our area. So I remember I didn't want anybody to know I was training. So I would get up at 530 in the morning in the summer and, and go do my run. And then I'd be home by seven, you know, and nobody would even know. And I remember my coach was really impressed that here was this, you know, 14 year old kid getting up at 530 to get these runs. in, but it was really just didn't want to be made fun of. <laughs> for, you know, practicing out of season. So that that's kind of how it went. But then, you know, I had a big jump by sophomore year. So then I didn't care. So when you're running, especially, you know, the times that I've run, one of the problems I would have that would stay with it is I would just get bored. How do you, especially when you're running distance, you know, and, and that at that young age, was it just the push to get better? Did you have a routine, a mental routine that that kept your mind occupied as you were running? Like, how did you handle it? Yeah, it, it's it was all about, you know, doing this run is going to make me better and doing this pace and doing this workout. Yeah, it was all about just trying to get stronger and faster and just motivated to be, you know, get to that next level. 
Do you remember your first real success? You talked about how you were able to have success. Do you remember the first kind of the first victory or the first time you you passed somebody down the stretch or something something that really resonated with you? I think if I remember ninth grade, I remember my coach telling me I was mentally tough, which I had no idea what that meant. But I remember I was in a relay and I probably was only running three weeks of my entire life. And I just got the baton and ran, you know, as far as I can to catch somebody. Didn't really know pacing and, and kind of died really, really bad. And like so probably the first time I went lactic and I remember they caught me from behind, but somehow I found a way to just kick it in and, and still win the race. I remember my coach really being impressed, impressed with that. First time I think a race really hurt. So I think that that's still a vivid memory. When did kind of the science of running start to evolve with you? Like pacing, you talked about all that stuff you didn't know, you know, pacing and stuff like that. And when did you remember when you started to make a an effort to, to learn that or it was given to you and, and you started to utilize that knowledge? Yeah, I remember our coach, he would actually jump in an interval and do it. And I just didn't understand how he could just know the pace, <laughs> you know, even if there are people in front of them and all. And it, it was just a matter of, of learning it, just doing it, you know, maybe by my my second year, I had had a better idea. of. Uh, but back then, I mean, now they, they have GPSs and they have their watches and they look at every hundred to know what they're on pace. And we just didn't do that back then. You didn't you didn't have a watch, you know, you just had to learn the pace and hope that you hit it when you when you come across the line. You, you didn't look at the hundred, the 200, you know, you just kind of learn it that way. How many different events did you run in high school? Did you take part in? High school, I think he put us, put me in them all. I probably ran the 400, 800 mile two mile, you know, in cross country. So I kind of hit the 200. Yeah. I think you put me into 200 kind of hit them all. How are you a different runner at different distances? Like ever, I would imagine when you're doing it at a, at a high level, there's a different approach to the 200, to the 400, to the mile. Like, you know, how do you approach them differently? And when did you really start to learn that there's a different approach? Yeah. I mean, I always loved the 800 because there's just no time to think. It's like you just go out hard, the first lap just comes, and then you just have to gut it out for the second lap. Getting into the, um, I could run the mile, but I wasn't great at pacing that as well. Maybe only did the two mile once. That wasn't something I really did in, in high school. So mentally, I, I loved the shorter races just because you didn't have to think a whole lot, or I don't think I'm a super patient person. So um, I kind of really like that, but that had to evolve over the years. Because as, as years went on and I got older, I was a U.S. champ at 5,000 meters. And, and making that transition, I always said I had like an 800-meter miler mentality. So it's just maturing and, and just learning more about the sport. Do you remember when you started to realize you were getting attention for your success? Like past just your coach and, and teammates and stuff like that? Remember, I think... I mean, I was always ninth grade to get your name in the local paper, even if it's just in the results, you know, being a kid that, that was always, always exciting. And then as you get better, you know, you win a race or you win the, the county championship, you, you might get your picture in the paper. Yeah, I think that was kind of kind of early on. You mentioned, I think, when you went out for track that it was mentioned to you, you could get a scholarship for that. Like, do you remember when that became tangible, that that could and would happen, like that when colleges started? contacting you and stuff like that yeah I made a big jump like I said by sophomore year I was third in the state and then freshman year I didn't qualify for state to state meet but then sophomore year I was third in the state in the 800 meters but I was I was at a time where we actually had um, a girl Kim Gallagher 
in our district who ended up being the national record holder for like 37 years in the 800 meters. It was only broken like within the last 10 years, I think. So, you know, she was just so fast and she would just win everything stage. So I never really thought I was good, you know, just comparing myself to her, but I didn't know she was like a phenom to come along once every 30 years. You know, you just, that's my competition. And, you know, I couldn't even get in the same area as her, but I just, you know, wanted to get better, just keep getting better. And, and I mean, my day, I mean, colleges probably didn't call you till your senior year. Like we were, it was before the women were even in the NCA my senior year. So we didn't have official visits or, or anything like that. It, w- it was just kind of getting, maybe you got letters in the mail or something like that. But probably, I don't remember, maybe they came junior year. I'm thinking more like senior year. How much you mentioned you know, having somebody in your area that's just a, a next level and you don't you don't understand the context of, of how good she is. But how much does that I'm sure it's kind of frustrating, but how much does it help you? Just you're measuring yourself against the best and all this time you're probably getting really, really good, but it doesn't quite feel like it. So you kind of keep pushing. Yeah. I just remember thinking I wasn't good, you know, that that kind of thing. It's just kind of the way it is, you know, but you just kind of wanted to win the ones you were capable of winning and and then try and get closer. And yeah, it wasn't really a frustration or anything like that. It was just, that's just kind of how it was. And, you know, and and there was other kids more on my level, you know, so you wanted to, you know, compete with them and just always try to to win what you could. So you started your college career at Florida. What sold you on on going down there? Yeah, again, um, this was no official visits. Um, it was even a time, I mean, I graduated high school, early eighties, and we didn't even have a, a national high school meet in track. And I don't think I ever left, maybe competed in New Jersey. Like you just, just never even travel. Mm-hmm. Like now like, there's meets all over the country. There's three different national meets and kids are used to traveling. So when I got the call from Florida, I was like, wow, I, I can live in Florida. I can, I love the beach. I was like, I could be tan year round, you know, just, just had no idea to look at the program and see what's a good fit and, and all that. I was just like, wow, I can live in Florida. You know, that I've never been to Florida, but that would be great. So that's kind of how I, I chose it. And when I got down there, um, the coach who had recruited me, they'd already been replaced and, and that sort of thing. So how is running different in Florida than in Pennsylvania? Just from an element standpoint, I mean, it gets humid here, but you're probably dealing with a, you know, more consistent humidity. Was there a, a tangible the first few times you worked out down there, like, did it feel different or not really? No, I mean, I love the heat and, you know, as a kid, so it, it didn't bother me at all. I just laugh because nowadays, you know, you, you always have to have a water bottle with you and you always get your recovery drinks afterwards. And we had a hose at the track. I remember that. And we would just work out in the middle of the day and, and the hose, the water would be warm. You know, <laughs> you're getting a drink after, after the workout. You mentioned the coach had been replaced. So what was that like? You know, I mean, just you go, you went to, to run for somebody and that person's not there. Was it a difficult transition where you're just kind of, okay, that's, you know, that's how things go. Like, how did you, how did you handle it? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it was like a big, I was like, okay, this is the coach and you know, this, this is how it is all, all college. Co- and like, I had a really good high school coach. So I was like, well, you know, all college coaches are good. It's college, that sort of thing. But I was a very low mileage kid in high school. And this guy was, he was just about 
like just running hard, like every day. And he was about lifting really heavy. And, and he was like, you know, don't you, don't you see those each Germans? Do you see how strong they were? Well, you know, years later we found out they're all on, on drugs, but you know, you didn't know it back then. And um, so I, I could lift a lot and, you know, you have a two year window where you can just destroy yourself. I mean, we were like running hard every, every single day, you know, I know. I mean, if you know track, you know, we were doing track workouts three times a week and we were doing tempo runs the other, you know, three days a week and we were doing a long run and you never take a day off. And you, you can kind of do, I did, I had some success and you can kind of do that for like a two year window before your body just kind of says, no, I can't do this anymore. So um, I think it was a, a good experience. I think it made me the coach I am today. You know, I think just having the experience to be coached by so many different people is what, you know, helped me develop my own philosophy and, and in turn have all the success I had. So I am grateful for all the coaches I've had over the years. So you spent three years in Florida and then the final year you go to Villanova. What led to the to the change? Were you just ready for a change, wanted to get closer to home? Was there just something that attracted you to, to come back closer to home? Yeah, well, by my junior year, I was running slower than I ran in high school. So it just kind of wasn't working there. And, and I kind of felt like I still had it in me to be good. And then Marty Stern took over at Villanova and I kind of knew him from high school. He had his uncle Marty sneaker barn. And I don't know, I think I won an award at one of his, I, I don't remember, but I kind of knew him. And I just kind of saw him at Henry Lays and they were signing some, a couple of really good girls that, that I think won the high school pen relay 1500 or one, two or something. And I just said, do you want one more? You know, and he was like, call me. And so I did. And, and I had to sit out a year back then yeah you always had to sit out a year if you transferred but I mean immediately my times just dropped and and you know the philosophy of Villanova was about how great we were you know we're, we're just such a great we should win and you know you just it didn't feel like pressure it just felt kind of like okay this is who we are and I just love the atmosphere and you know I only ran for Villanova one year people don't even know that but I had so much success in that one year you talked about running slower than you had in high school was that just you think all the work, it just ground you down to a point where you weren't as fast as, as you were? Yeah, like I said, it was just, it was just you know, hard, hard training all the time, and it just wasn't working for me. I think I kind of was more of a middle distance kid, and, and maybe, you know, if I was more of a hardcore distance, distance runner. But, um, you know, and this was home for me, and there was, it just was such a difference to come home and, and um, be close to home and, and even being from the area. I mean, going down to the South, you know, it was kind of a culture shock out of high school. Like I said, I'd never really been anywhere. And I just remember asking, <laughs> this is kind of funny because being from Philly, you love your cheesesteaks. And I remember going to a restaurant down there and I think I tried to order a cheesesteak and they brought out like a piece of Wonder Bread with a steak on it and a piece <laughs> of like craft cheese on top of it. I'm like, <laughs> You know, and I couldn't understand the concept. Like, how do they not know what, you know, what, what a steak sandwich is, that, that sort of thing. How weird was the year of not competing? Like that year before, when you, after you transferred, did you, was it welcome to kind of, as a reset? Was it odd to, I'm sure you're still training and working out, but not, not competing? Like, you know, how'd you approach it? I felt like I needed the time to, yeah, to, to kind of get good again. But within six months, I was running, you know, I ran a PR in the 800 by like three seconds, you know, and about 10 seconds faster than I was running at Florida the year before. So it kind of happened right away. You could run unattached. And back then, even if you weren't competing for the team, you could still travel with the team. And so I was still kind of part of it. So you, you have one year of competition at Villanova. What are you running 
your year at Villanova? What did I do? Um, I remember we won the conference meet in cross country. I remember we went to nationals as a team in cross country, but you know, our, our big success was on the track. And um, I know we set the world record in a four by eight, our four by eight won the NCAAs. Um, I think I came back and came in fifth in, in the thousand meters. And I think our team as a whole came in third, you know, at the indoor meet. So we were third best. And then, of course, we went outdoors and the Penn Relays was huge for Villanova. And then we won the, the DMR there, um, which was big and ran, ran pretty fast. And, and I um, think I was conference champion, both indoors and outdoors, in a couple events and, and went to NCAAs and was all American. So, and it was fun. I mean, there was a lot of us, you know, kind of doing it. So it was a really good team effort. You mentioned setting that world record. I mean, I, I can't, it's something I couldn't even get my head around to be able to accomplish something like that. Was that a goal or was that something you guys knew you were good? And if everybody was at their top at the same time, did you think it was in play or did you not think in terms like that it was just let's just win, win today? We actually had set the world record um, before that and at a meet in Florida. And no, we went there to set the world record. Marty was about, you know, we can break the world record. And um, and we would do these things back then with no competition. You know, from I think I was the lead off and, you know, so you had to set the tone. And we just would go out and run by ourselves, run, run really fast. Um, then by nationals, of course, the goal is to win, but we ended up running faster and breaking that record again. What is that like, like mentally, emotionally? How did it, when you break a world record, how do you react to that? Because that's just, you're, you've done something that so few people have the ability or the opportunity to do. Did it almost take your breath away or was it, oh, that's cool. We knew we could do it. And what's next? Like, how did you, how did, how did it come down to you? I think at that point it was about, you know, trying to win the NCAAs. That would have been huge to win, win the NCAAs. And then, yeah, just, and, and running fast and, and it just happened to be <laughs> the fastest that um, four people, I guess I didn't think it was that great of a deal because I think at the time, not a whole lot of countries ran the four by eight, maybe, maybe that was it. But um, yeah, I think we were more excited about the, the winning, winning the nationals. Were you always the lead off? Yes, he always put me on leadoff and um, never understood that until I became a coach. <laughs> because <laughs> you you want to put the person on leadoff who you know is going to get the job done, who you know is going to bring in the lead no matter what. Um, so I took that as my job. I have to bring the lead in. I'm from Villanova. I have to bring a lead in. There just was no other option. When does coaching enter your mindset as something you might be interested in was it something that was always kind of in the back that at some point I would like to do this or was it a situation where an opportunity comes about or another coach your coach mentions it that I might think you might be good like do you remember you know was there an aha moment or was it just kind of a gradual thing I remember it exactly because it was never a thought but remember there were not a lot of women coaches out there I didn't see that Every coach I ever had, every coach you ever saw at meets or got to know from the school were men. So it was it was never a thought. You know, my degree is from the business school. And I thought I was going to go in my degrees in accounting. I thought I was going to go go that route. And my senior year, the coach of Tennessee asked me if I wanted to be a graduate assistant. And I was like, oh, OK. Didn't really have any plans. So I kind of went down there for a year. It was a two year program, but that coach left after a year. And, you know, I don't think I had the maturity to be a coach. I was kind of the same age as, as the kids. And I didn't, it was just getting this used to it. Um, 
I think I was a good motivator at the time. I remember um, the coach said, you're going to have to speak to the team before the, the conference meet. And, you know, I didn't know what to say. So I kind of made a poem where I incorporated everybody's name in it and their event or something like that, you know, and the kids loved it and were laughing and all. So, um, but then I, so I went back home and actually got a job in a law firm. And then um, I moved, I started running at, at a professional level, I guess, but I was still working. And then I moved to DC uh, to train with a coach at Georgetown. And they had a club there with uh, Sally May, which is where I worked. And it kind of support, it was a club that supported running and you train with the, the Georgetown coach. So they had no women on their staff. So they're like, we want to put you on the staff just so we have a woman so the girls can talk to. And again, wasn't a whole whole lot of coaching. It was just talking to the girl, driving the van, that, that sort of thing. So then when Marty was leaving Villanova, John Marshall was going for the job. He said, I want to put you down as somebody I would hire because Villanova likes to hire alum and you're the only woman I know with some coaching experience. So that's kind of how, how it, it went about. Are you harboring Olympic dreams at any point? Yeah. I mean, I think every athlete has those aspirations, but I never thought I was good enough. Again, you know, go back to high school, Kim Gallagher, she was going to make the Olympic team, which she did at like 19, you know, and I was nowhere near her. So that wasn't something that I could see happening until around 95. And when I, um, I moved up to the 5,000 and won USA's. So the next year is the Olympics. And I had made the world championships, made the final world championships. So yeah, then it became a reality, you know, to make it. And um, unfortunately, I got a, I woke up in October and my knee hurt. I'd never had an injury in my life. And I woke up and I couldn't run. You know, something was wrong with my knee. And, and I just went to the doctor after doctor and tried everything you can imagine to try and get back. And nobody could figure it out. So I couldn't even go run in the trials in 96. Um, I had been fifth in the trials in 92. So that dream was was shattered. But right then and there, you know, I was determined to kind of coach a national championship team. So I, I looked at it like, you know, I, I didn't meet my goal as an athlete, you know, to become an Olympian, but I, I'm going to meet my my goal as a coach. And I think that injury, that again, all my experiences have helped me become the coach that I am. You know, I can, I can go into all these stories of, um, you know, where I have an athlete and nobody can kind of figure out what is wrong with them and what's the, and, and I, you know, I remember one girl just coming to my office and just collapsing on my couch because nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. And, and I, you know, I said, you know, but you have me and I'm never going to give up on you. And I know there's somebody out there that can figure this out and we're not going to stop until we find it. You know, so she left happy and, and then we eventually did figure it out. And, you know, and I, and I have uh, other stories with all my athletes. So, like I said, things things happen in life, but you know they they kind of they help out later in life. Did you ever figure out what was wrong with your knee? Like even you know ten twelve years down the road? Again, yeah. Well, yeah. It took about a year. It turned out just from years and years of running, we weren't big on a lot of stretching and doing all that kind of stuff. And it was just from years of running, you know, your hip flexors just become really really tight, and it had kind of pulled my pelvis tilting forward, and it just was making. Um, the left leg shorter than the other. So every time I ran, all the pressure went to my knee. So it wasn't really an injury, but it took a year to find somebody to figure that out. What happened was I was coaching and I was like, okay, you know, I missed the Olympic team, but I still want to run. You know, I, I enjoy going for a run. So I would just open the phone book when I'd go to meets and just look for it. And I found a kinesiologist chiropractor in Arizona and went to see him and, and he kind of figured it out and just kind of went from there. And were you able to to run comfortably again? 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally normal. Tried to get a little bit back into racing, but by this time I was really getting into into the coaching. It was just kind of kind of too much. How long? I mean, you met. You said your dream is shattered. I mean, to be in play for the Olympics and kind of have it taken away, and to have it taken away where there's not like this. Okay, you know, I went up steps and I wrenched my ankle. Like, there's not. A, it's just as you kind of wake up and all of a sudden what you do you can't do anymore was it difficult to fight through mentally like or because you were enjoying the coaching did that take some of the sting off obviously not completely but make it easier to put that aside no it was really really hard and and what was even harder was because you know the, the olympics came and went but i still couldn't run you know and i said okay you know i just want to be able to run there's so much you get physically mentally out of going for a run. And I think the stress just compiled because, you, you know, that was your stress reliever. And um, I couldn't do that. And I mean, it was it was tough, but it's hard to make an Olympic team. You know, there's only only three make it. And, and you know, it was it was good that I was in a position to, to try that. You know, not, not a whole lot of people get that. So I, I was good for that. And yeah, I just kind of then just kind of shifted it once once I was able to start running again, you know, and then I just kind of shifted it in, into coaching. And, you know, it became... I know what this feels like, and I never want my athletes to have to feel like this, you know. We need to take a break. We will have more with Villanova women's track and field and cross-country head coach Gina Procaccio right after this. This is one-on-one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Gina Procaccio, head women's cross-country and track and field coach at Villanova University. What are some of your favorite memories? You talked about some of the accomplishments you had on the world national stage. Like, you know, when you think about that time, what are some of the things that come rushing back, be it success or just camaraderie with teammates or just life experiences? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an incredible life. Um, I don't know if I appreciate it enough at the time. You kind of thought it would always be there, but we used to go over to Europe in the summer and race. I mean, you would they put you up in five star hotels, cover all your meals, and and you're just sitting in you know the eating area with all the athletes from all over the world, and and you're pretty much getting to see the world for free, you know. And um, and I was fortunate to have a couple friends running in that level as well so we would kind of travel together and, and it was like re- really good but at the same time you're there to compete so it's not like you're totally relaxed and able to really enjoy and do a whole lot of things but yeah it was it was great life experiences but you know there were no phones back then and I wasn't a big camera team so I don't even have lots of photos to document all those times but again you, it was something you just thought you would always go back and you know when the injury happened that was it that was it for you know competing over in Europe what would be the the picture perfect running scenario for you just as far as venue conditions like if you you know for an important race you got to pick what the weather would be like and what the scenery would be like what would be the the perfect one yeah, I would say my favorite place that I raced, and I, maybe it's because I ran my PRs there, was in Oslo, Norway. And um, it's a little stadium, and the, the crowd was almost like right there. It was amazing. But the races would be like 1130 at night, but it would be broad daylight. That to me was, was kind of fun. The other amazing place I ran in was Monaco. It's just the whole little town. <laughs> seeing all these yachts and, and that was that was pretty incredible those are like two two places that really stick in mind for me any place stick in mind for the other reason it was it was just difficult conditions less than ideal terrible weather like is there any place that that jumps out from the the other end of the spectrum i think the meets in england sometimes would be that rainy cold you know when you're getting into august 
that that sort of thing. So at, from a coaching standpoint, I think you had a couple of different stops and then you had Villanova for five years as an assistant before you take over the program. Am I correct? Yeah, started 94, actually left for a year, 97, 98. And then when Mark O'Sullivan came back, um, he called me to come back and I was kind of ready to. I was kind of went up to Boston trying to um, kind of do the running thing one, one more time. And then um, so when he asked me to come back, I did in, in the summer of 98. And then he, but he said, when he called me, he's like, look, I, I really want to focus on the men and I, I want to split the programs and I would like you to just be in charge of the women and, and, you know, be the head coach in a couple of years. So I said, okay. So that, that, that's how that went. And then 2000, I became the head coach. What's the biggest lesson you learned from coaching through your years as an assistant? You learn you don't have the responsibility and it doesn't fall on you <laughs> if things don't, don't, don't go well, but I, like I said, it, it, you just take every experience you have, you know, you know, Marcus had a certain style, John Marshall had a certain style, you know, all the coaches I had along the way. And it just really, you know, kind of helps you develop your own own philosophy. So you come back to Villanova under the idea that, you know, once they're, they're going to split the programs, you're going to be the head coach. Did you feel ready? Did you know what you didn't know? Was it a little overwhelming at first when, when you're in charge? Um, But it kind of like, I remember when I first started, you know, and I had really no coaching experience and Don Marshall, you know, his, he was a great middle distance runner. So he, he was really good at that. And I remember there was a girl on the team, Jen Rines, who was, was an NCAA champion when I started. And I remember him saying, you're going to coach her because, you know, she's a distance runner and, you know, she made and here. So I was a little, <laughs> a little like, okay. And I just basically Jen just kind of trained with me because I was still training because that that's the year I went on to win USA. So I was kind of inspired by her. So that was kind of easy. I remember he once I, he had an athlete that was kind of struggling and I just said, can I have her? Um, and it was a miler. And I, and I told myself, I don't remember what year this might've been. I was there maybe a couple years. And I said to myself, if I can get her to run her PR at the national meet, then I know I can coach. And, and she did. And she went on to anchor all through Lisa Penn. So that gave me the confidence that, that I could do this. So by the time I was a head coach, you know, I, I think I'd seen enough and had enough experience. And yeah, just kind of kind of went from there. It was tough. Those early years were very, very tough. You know, you don't don't recommend taking over a program that won seven national championships because there's kind of nowhere to go but down. And we did <laughs> for a number of years. Did you feel pressure? I mean... Uh, yeah, of course I did. I, I, I'm the first woman <laughs> to be in charge of the program. And I mean, I was determined, you know, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, we got to win her or, you know, I'm going to die trying, but um, I was just determined that there was no option. That's what I had to do. And one thing uh, Marty Stern had said to me when I transferred to Villanova. Um, so a couple of years later, he said to me, he said, you know, it all started when you came. So I used to think to myself, well, if it started with me, it can't end with me. And, and, you know, I just was driven by that. And there were, there were some tough years, you know, there was, I think a year, I didn't even get a team to the national meet. It was just about finding the right kids, the right fit, the kids who believed in what you were trying to do. And, and they all came. And I remember in 2007, as, as freshmen, they did not qualify for the national meet. And 2009, they're national champs. But you kind of knew it. You knew it as freshmen. And, and I had a great assistant at the time. And it just kind of all, all came into play. So you, you referenced national championships. You win back-to-back in women's cross country in 09 and 10. And you talk about that group as freshmen doesn't qualify. Like when they come in, do you have high, like, do you think they have the potential to be elite? I mean, I was always looking for that group. And what they had was a really good leader. 
and and Sheila Reed and she kind of was like you know I, I want to do this you know I want to I want us to win I want us to beat Washington and this is like Washington won the national championship to in 2008 we were sixth and she was injured so she didn't even run that year but she was kind of saying you know I want, I want to beat them next year so she kind of got the team to believe it and that's what Marks and I talk about this all the time you know you, you have great leaders you know they help you you know they kind of or with the team and getting the team too motivated and help them believe, you know, they can do that sort of thing. Uh, for people that aren't familiar, how do you, how does, how do you win a national championship? Like how do these meets scored? Like, is it one race and you just get points, you know, kind of explain when you go to the national championships, like how this all works. So cross country is kind of like golf, low score wins. So it's just your points. So if somebody finishes first, that's one point. And, and you take your top five runners and you add it up. So uh, a perfect score is 15. And that's if your runners have got one, two, three, four, five. It's just a race of 200, 250 people, I think. First place is one point And, you know, last place is 250 points. And you just add up those five runners and um, low score wins. So what was the score in 2009? Uh, I don't remember our score, but I know we got six. 13, 22, 24, 30, 30th, five in the top 30. So five All-Americans. As the race is unfolding, how are you watching it? Are you watching it with an eye towards the possibility of national championship? Are you watching it just to make sure everybody does their best? I mean, you've been through the drill before. So as it's unfolding, do you remember your mind space and what you were thinking. And was there a moment when you realized we've done it? Um, it was an interesting race. I mean, you're watching and you're watching the other team and you're watching your runners. And I remember um, my number one runner at the time, she just, she just went for it. She went out with, I think there were, it was a pack of like three or four of them. And she just went really hard. And, and I know these girls so well, and she's coming up at 4k. And I looked at her face and I just said, something's wrong. You know, my assistant's like, what do you mean? I'm like, something is wrong. And then all of a sudden she falls off and she's barely moving to the point where she actually kind of stopped at one point. <laughs> and um, so our number two runner had, had passed her and I'm like, oh, no. And I've seen this happen to athletes where they'll get caught up in that and go out fast and then people start passing them and then they just keep going further and further and further and further back and they finish back in the you know the hundreds and all that so I saw this happening and I, I thought it, it was over you know I'm like she's just gonna go all the way back and I was like I remember being at 5k and, and just saying shoot you know and we had it and it's, it's usually you can run from 5k to the finish it's just a direct thing they have to go all the way around but you just go direct and I didn't run over there with such tar, you know, I kind of took my time getting over there. And, and then I get there right when my first runner was coming in sixth. And the next thing you know, she's in 13th. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how this, this kid is so tough. So then you count them all. And, um, and then you knew right away, I knew right away, you know, the points and, you know, that we had done it. And so we were excited. And she was really down because she thought she blew up for the team. And I said, trust me, you're going to come back and win this race next year. And she did. She came back the next two years and actually won, won the race. So yeah, so there was a lot of emotions just in that, in that 20 minutes thinking we had it and then thinking it was slipping away, but, and then her finding a way somehow to, to gut it out and still get in there. Who was the runner? Uh, Sheila Reed. Okay. Did you talk to her? Like, can you share like what she did and how she got through it that allowed her to, to overcome that? She's just tough as they come. <laughs> really really tough 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 competitor and I don't even know because we saw her 
she stopped at one point she stopped and then somehow she just found a way to get going and and I mean she really pushed her body because I mean she was really sore for about a week like it was really hard for her to even walk it was just really pushing you know talk about mentally tough just pushing beyond you know the pain you know to do it for the team so then you guys do it again in 2010 how does it feel different because I think there's nothing like the first time you can win a championship but it's also incredibly impressive to run it back and do it again the next year what's the emotion what's the mindset the second time as opposed to the first yeah the the second time you have the target on your back the first time you're the underdog and you know you're going for it and that's a little easier the second time we had a freshman and our number, our fifth runner, we had our top four back, our fifth runner graduated and we had a freshman in the fifth spot. And so that was kind of a lot for her to come in and, hey, you got to help us win a national championship. And I remember her, she'd finish every race and she'd look you know, all wide eyed and then she'd say to me, I, I don't want to, I don't want to screw it up for them. You know, like she, I think she just ran with fear every time. So, I mean, she got it done and we did it. You know, we knew we could get it done, but you're not, you're not sure what a freshman's going to do for the first time at the, at the national meet. I mean, Sheila Reed herself as a freshman finished 148th, you know, and then she went 13th, first first. So so you don't know. And Emily um, was only Lapari, and she ended up, I think she finished 92nd, but it, it was good enough for us to win. We had the other four in the top 25 again, and she still was ahead of everybody's fifth runner, except one, I think. So that was more of a... Um, a relief <laughs> that that title because it, it is just a lot more more pressure going in but, but the kids handled it what impact does this have on you because you talk about you take over a program seven national championships you're down by your standards a little bit but then you get to the top of the mountain and you do it twice like is it satisfaction is it relief is it okay that's great what's next what's your mind specifically you as the head coach yeah so that um yeah i mean like i said it was it was what did it take me? Nine years of just really, really trying. And then, then I knew I could do it. I think after that, yeah, of course you want to sustain it and, and keep that. But we, we had, during that time, we were having not a whole lot of success in the pen relays, you know, and that was big for Villanova. So it kind of shifted, you know, to having more kind of middle distance kids come in and, you know, so they can get it done on the track. And, and, and I was, I, cause I was looking at really building the track team. And so we started having a lot of success on the track. I mean, we kind of did anyway, but um, started really having kids. And so I, I would say that if you're talking about a mindset, it wasn't all about cross country. I was like, you know, I really like track and I really like to get Villanova up, you know, doing well on the track as well. You mentioned the Penn Relays. What makes them special? It's just such a tradition for Villanova. And, and, and it's a great meet for alumni to come back and get together. And we have our own section and, and it's just, like I said, a big tradition for us. And, and it's fun. You know, relays are fun. I mean, there's pressure being from Villanova, but not, you're not worried about times or splits or anything like that. You're just worried about, you know, hardcore competing and just having fun representing your school. And, and you know, and teams from all over the country come to it. So it's a great meet to be part of. And it, it's right in our backyard. All the events, cross country and track, are there certain events that are harder to find elite competitors than others? You know, is it easier to find distance than it is a great hurdler, like stuff 
like that, you know, or not equally spread. But you know, if you work hard enough, you'll be able to find good at all all the events. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's tradition, I guess. A lot of the top sprinters like to go to warm weather schools. But, you know, you just kind of find those kids, you know, Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, such a hotbed of talent, you know, in all areas. And my sprint coach has done a really good job identifying kids that will be a good fit for us. And, and he's had hurdlers at the NCAAs and, you know, he's had his success as well. So, but um, yeah, I would say, I guess, more um, distance runners, well, just because of our tradition in cross country and all that, you know, winning the title nine times. So um, we do always have a decent amount of talent interested in those events as well. What are you most proud of from your coaching career? I get such a rush out of getting these kids to believe they can do things that they don't think they can. That's kind of how I look at it. You know, to have a kid come in like, wow, you really think I can be an NCAA champion? Yeah, I absolutely do. You know, and here's how we're going to do it. And, and, and to get them to buy in and, and then accomplish these things, you know, that that I just get a lot of satisfaction out of that. My final question, what's kind of the favorite part of what you do, like what you just said, but is it practice? Is it the camaraderie with the kids? Is it the moments before a big race? Like, is there one thing above above them all for you? I mean, I love the meets because you like to see the hard work pay off, you know, and, and what, what they what they can accomplish. So I enjoy the meet. Um, the camaraderie, the, these girls are amazing. And, you know, you just develop friendships. And some of my closest friends were my former athletes. It, it's 25 years. And, and um, so I, I would say, yeah, there's, there's a lot. They showed up big time for me. I unfortunately lost my husband um, almost two years ago. Um, totally unexpected. And, and I had 25 years of women just showing up in unbelievable ways. And that kind of made me realize, you know, I'm obviously at the right place. They, they were there for me from, from all, all different years, <laughs> you know, sending meals, showing up, some of them coming and staying with me. And I was like, you know, wow, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. You know, it's just when they say Villanova is a family, I mean, it's really true. Gina Procaccio, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me. Oh, thank you. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Villanova University head women's cross country and track and field coach Gina Procaccio for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.